You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Greetings and welcome back to Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from the beautiful metropolis of Orlando, Florida. Thanks for listening. Uh, Before we dive into anything, I just want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners. I am so grateful uh, for the number of people that listen and download on a regular basis uh, that allow me and the guests that come on the show to to speak into your life and to uh, shape and influence how you view theology and God and the Bible. I just want to let you know that I am humbled by that. I do not take that uh, flippantly. Uh, I think it's an incredible privilege and honor. I'm humbled by it in just a, a profound way. And so thank you very much for being a regular listener. I am very thankful for you. This is episode 167. And in just a moment, we're going to dive into an interview that I did with a man by the name of Tyler Vela. Uh, now, if you're a regular listener, that name may sound familiar to you because back in episode 157, I had a chance to interview Tyler and we answered the question, uh, is is God a moral monster? And Tyler really sort of addressed some of the attacks that come from atheists or secular progressives that would seek to uh, to try to make God out to be a moral monster. A really great episode with some great content. I would encourage you to go check that out. Again, that was episode 157. And here we are 10 episodes later in 167, uh, going to answer another uh, unique question. I actually heard Tyler talk about this topic on another podcast. I was really encouraged by some of his thoughts, so I invited him to come on and talk about it here. We're going to be talking about a little thing called the the Nephilim, or sometimes pronounced uh, Nephilim. There's different pronunciations for that word, uh, but it's a topic that comes out of the book of Genesis, and we're going to dive into that in just a moment. Hey, before we get to the interview, quick reminder about the importance of being subscribed. I know many of you are already subscribed. Big thank you to you. Uh, if you are already subscribed, you are already getting every episode getting delivered directly to your device as soon as they go live, uh, which, which I hope you appreciate. And of course, we are big... Uh, I am very thankful for that because the more downloads we have, the more it helps out the show in a variety of ways. But if you're listening to this and you are not yet subscribed, I want to highly encourage you, head on over to iTunes or whatever podcast player you're familiar with, hit that subscribe button. Every episode gets delivered directly to your device and again, helps out the show a ton. So head on over and subscribe. Uh, If you can't find it in your favorite podcast player, the easiest way to subscribe is actually actually head over to our website and click on any one of the subscription buttons there. It's super easy. You can find that on the web at theologyfortherestofus.com. All right, let's talk about the topic of the Nephilim or what I would typically call the uh, Nephilim. Again, different pronunciations for the same thing. Uh, in Genesis chapter 6, there is this weird group of people uh, refer, uh, referred to as the uh, Nephilim. And there is, there's a lot of people within modern evangelicalism that believe that the, uh, that the Nephilim were the offspring of fallen angels and humans. Ba- basically, when you read through Genesis 6, some people interpret that to mean that basically these angels that were in heaven, they rebelled against God, right? The Bible tells us that a third of the angels rebelled against God and they were cast out of heaven along with their, with the guy who was kind of leading the charge to revolt against God, Satan, Lucifer. We've talked about that in previous episodes. You can head over to the website, theologyfortherestofus.com. You can do a quick search there. Lots of episodes talking about Satan and the fall of, of the angels. Um, and so the angels come and then some of the angels are wandering around planet earth and, you know, they're in the spiritual realm, but the spiritual within the spiritual realm, there's still a, seemingly a connection between 
you know, the, the physical realm and they can sort of travel around. As we look through the Bible, we see angels at work as a part of God's plan. And then we also see uh, demonic forces and principalities. And they're alluded to uh, many times in the New Testament as well. And so, we, you know, we, angels are a real thing. And we've covered that in the podcast here. And so the fallen angels, the ones that rebelled against God, are, are supposedly wandering around the, plan, the planet. And I think there's some evidence for that. And so some people believe that in Genesis chapter 6, what's happening is that these fallen, these fallen angels are then basically taking on some sort of human form and they're having sex with women and then these babies are being born. They're basically half angel, half human, or I guess some would say half demon, half human. And that they are super strong and super tall and, and there's all sorts of kind of legends and ideas and myths uh, about these this particular group, Nephilim, and kind of the supernatural powers that they're born with uh, because they're half angel or half demon. Uh, it's mostly conjecture and speculation. Now, the Bible does clearly talk about this particular group, but whether or not this group is actually the the result or the offspring of angels and women is is up for debate. Now, within modern evangelicalism here in North America, many Christians, I think I didn't say most, do believe that that these that the Nephilim are half angel, half man products, and that. Uh, and that they wandered the earth, and they were apart, and they were known. That's that's at least the that that's kind of mainstream thought. And there are a lot of theologians that I greatly respect in a lot of ways, faithful servants of the Lord uh, that I look up to in some ways that do believe that they would preach and teach that. However, when I look at the passage, that's that's not what I see. I don't necessarily take that position. I don't think that's quite there. And the reality is, I kind of thought I was alone in this. You know, a lot of the most of the the majority theologians that I follow either don't take an opinion or they take the opinion that these were, you know, that these Nephilim were half angel, half human. And I just, then it really never made sense to me. And then a couple months ago, I came across a podcast episode that Tyler was on. Tyler was being interviewed and he really made a great case for the Nephilim not being the offspring of these angels and humans, but just being a, a particular group of people that were famous in that region. Uh, but they're sort of a mis misunderstanding of Genesis chapter six. And it's not at all what the passage is talking about. And so rather than trying to trying to kind of regurgitate Tyler's words, I asked him to come on the show, you know, interview him and talk to him about this topic uh, so that he could kind of give us his thoughts. I thought he did a much better job than, than I would do. Uh, if, if you're, if you're new to Tyler's work, Tyler is actually a, he's both an author. He is a, he is a podcaster himself, an apologist, um, and a, an elder within the Presbyterian church. Again, I had him back on episode 157. He is actually the host of a podcast called the freed thinker podcast. Tyler is kind of a philosophical genius in my opinion. He is an apologist, uh, but he really, he really kind of swims in the world of philosophy. Um, and he, and, and, and really uses kind of both, uh, both biblical, you know, theology as well as philosophy to really engage in conversations, uh, with atheists and, and humanists, secular progressives. He's often engaging in conversation with atheists and really kind of combating some of the flawed thinkings and ideas they bring to the table. Uh, so that's kind of the world he swims in. Again, you can check out his podcast called the Freed Thinker Podcast. Uh, but in this episode, we're going to talk some biblical hermeneutics, which is, again, this is the science of uh, interpreting the scripture appropriately. And he's going to dive into his thoughts on Genesis chapter six. So that was a very, very long interview uh, intro to the interview, like more than seven minutes in, I apologize. But I wanted you, I wanted you to have all that info uh, before we actually dove into this interview. So finally, without further ado, my interview with Tyler Vela. We are back on the line with Tyler Vela. I counted a privilege and honor to have him back. Tyler, thank you so much for uh, spending time with our audience again. Uh, 
question today comes from Genesis chapter 6. I've been asked this a handful of times since I launched the podcast, and I've got some thoughts, but I thought your your response would be uh, even better articulated. So tell us about the Nephilim. Who are they? Where they come from? And why does that matter? Sure. The, so the the Nephilim are are kind of a, a strange thing for a lot of Christians to argue about because it's such a minor thing, um, and they're and they're mentioned so few times um, in the Bible. But there's a, a really common prevailing view um, that the Nephilim in, in Genesis six are the you know the love children uh, of angels uh, and 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 sinful fallen. Um, uh, women, um, which I just think is a is a terrible interpretation of the passage, and and a lot of people will say, oh, well, you're trying to demythologize the text and all this kind of you know nonsense. Um, when really, I just think it's a matter of hermeneutics. Um, and so my main issue is that as we're reading through Genesis, especially the the primeval history in the first eleven chapters. The main focus over and over and over again um, is distinguishing between the two seeds, the godly seed and the ungodly seed. Um, so so um, you have um, Adam and Eve's uh, two, two children, um, Cain and Abel, right? So you have the ungodly seed and the godly seed, and the godly seed follows down through uh, Seth. You have uh, following down through Lamech, through the, the bad seed, Noah's the good seed. Uh, so you, you just have this, this if you read, start reading through it, you see this strong theme of godly seed and ungodly seed. And by the time you get to Genesis 6, uh, that, that theme has already been established. So Genesis 6, I'm just going to read the passage um, and then, and then I'll, and I'll talk about it. So Genesis six, six, chapter one says, when man began to multiply on the face of the land and the daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive and they took uh, to, as their wives, any they chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit shall not abide in man forever for he is flesh. His day shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man, and they bore children to them. These were mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. So part of part of the problem is, I mean, we could talk about, it's just bizarre to talk about angels even having the physiology and the biology um, to uh, mate with, uh, with, with women. And it doesn't just say they mated, it actually says they took wives. Um, for themselves. So you can talk about weird stuff um, about that type of thing, about Jesus saying that, you know, angels aren't, don't give and aren't given in marriage. But really a better understanding, a better argument, I think is just textually um, understanding the context of the text, which is for, for most conservatives, we're going to say this is written by Moses um, when he's in the plains of Moab about to enter the land. The spies, are, you know, are coming back and they're and they're saying um, because they mentioned Nephilim. The spies are coming back and they're saying, "Oh my gosh, there's giants. We're like grasshoppers to them, right?" Right. Um, which I mean, a lot of people are like, "Well, then the Nephilim are giants." Well, no. I mean, the the Israelites weren't grasshoppers either. They're clearly exaggerating because right. they were were afraid, right? Over and over again, if we understand Moses is, is writing the Pentateuch, over and over again, Moses preempts what's going to happen in the land. You can see it throughout, uh, throughout Genesis leading up to the Exodus. This is a really good example. So he's writing and he's saying, look, 
God has protected the chosen people before, the Nephilim, the, the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown, these guys that you're afraid of, guess what? They were around before, uh, and God had no problem uh, uh, defeating and conquering the land back then. He's going to have no problem defeating and conquering the land back now. Don't worry about the Nephilim. right? That, that's kind of the rhetorical point of it. And, and textually, that's borne out. So there's nothing in the text, if you remember when I read it, there's nothing in the text that says um, that, that the sons of God, who I take are the godly seed, and the daughters of man, who I take are just represented the ungodly seed. There's nothing in the text that says their offspring are the Nephilim. Right? It, it doesn't say, and they bore children, and those children were the Nephilim. The Nephilim are given as a time marker. Right. Um, so, so it talks about how the 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 God the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were attractive, and they took for themselves wives, and they chose, and this was obviously displeasing to God. And then it says, and the Nephilim were on the earth in those days. Right? It's just a time marker. It, it's saying, you know, when when this happened, when the when the sons of God and the daughters of men were were getting together, who else was around? The Nephilim were around during those days. Um, there, there, there's nothing in the text that actually connects them uh, as the product of, of the procreation between the two seeds. The Bible never says that these Nephilim are the offspring. Like It doesn't actually say that. I'm not sure where we get that from. Uh, wh- wh- where did that come from? Why do you think that gets projected onto the text? Because, I mean, honestly, I don't know. I've actually thought it's a very strange interpretation, and people really dig their heels in on it, which is just so weird. Um, Because, I mean, the text just flat out says the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward. Well, if the Nephilim were the product, well, then of course they'd be there afterwards <laughs> because they were the product of the union. They would only be there afterwards. Um, they, you know, it, it, but, but it doesn't make sense to say that they were on the earth in those days and afterwards. But for some reason, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of evangelicals and, and other traditions have, have taken this angel's interpretation um, and, and, they've, and they've really, really run with it and challenging it. It's, it's almost like you're like presenting rank heresy to say that the Nephilim weren't, you know, the, the, the love child of the, the angel human offspring. Um, and, and, you know, I, I've heard, I've heard all kinds of arguments for it. Some are, some are better than worse, but I really think it goes back to, um, uh, some, some angelology and demonology and, and, and this text is used to support some, some understanding of fallen angels. And, and if you don't have this text, then, you know, oh, you know, where, where, where else are we going to go to find that doctrine, you know, which is a whole different issue. Um, but I, I just don't find any of the arguments compelling whatsoever, you know they'll they'll try to bring in Goliath as an example, although Goliath is never even called a Nephilim. And to be honest, Goliath probably wasn't a giant. We're probably looking at someone who's you know about a little under seven feet tall, which is you know average height of an NBA player, which would have been massive for that time period. But we're not talking about the Jolly Green Giant here. Tyler, I really appreciate. I mean, you know, it's funny. Literally, as you read the text, I mean, it it would be no different than saying. Uh, Kenny Ortiz graduated high school in the and that was the time when the Republicans controlled the Senate. Like, it, like the Nephilim on the planet was just a t- again. It's just a describing of what was going on when the sons of God took the daughters of man. Right? It's just they're not related. Right? M- me graduating from high school is not because the Republicans controlled the Senate when I was graduating high school. Like, they're yeah. not correlated. The, the, the scripture is just giving us an understanding of what was going on in the world 
at that time um, when the sons of God, who you're saying are again clearly say the sons of God are simply there. That's a that's a that's a terminology to describe the people of God, correct, or the lineage of God. Yeah, the the godly seed. Um, you're gonna you're gonna have Noah. You're gonna have you know you're you're gonna have the promised Messiah coming. Um, so that's 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 the godly seed, um, as opposed to the ungodly seed, which is which is traced kind of um, contrary to that as you go. And, and 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 I try to encourage this. You know, when I when I taught through this section in in my Sunday school class over and over and over again, I try to tell people. I, I you know I don't just defend this because I because I think it's you know helpful. Um, I you know I do think Moses was was the author of of the large majority of the Pentateuch, and once you understand that and you read Genesis with the understanding that he's writing it on the plains of Moab about to enter the land. It's like the whole book opens up to you in in a way that you'll have never seen before. There's so many themes about God protecting the lineage, protecting his people, you know, over and over again, there's all these issues about do not intermarry with the ungodly seed, right? All throughout Genesis. Well, why is that so important throughout Genesis? Well, because Israel is not to marry outside of Israel. They're not to go and marry ungodly people among the nations. And every time it happens in Genesis, terrible things come about. Right. Uh, and, and, and it's basically a kind of a shot across the bow warning to Israel, look, God's going to protect you when you go in the land. There's Nephilim there. Guess what? There were Nephilim back during the time of flood. Not a big deal. Make sure that you stay faithful to your God. Make sure you stay faithful in worship. Make sure that you're not taking wives for yourselves among the ungodly. Um, stay faithful. Stay true. Right? That theme is just robust all the way through Genesis leading up to leading up to the exile in the book of Exodus. And this is just one more example of that. Man, that is a fanta- fantastic explanation, articulation. Uh, now, this is w- one last question. This is pure speculation. Um, in the, well, I take that back. A lot of people would say this is pure speculation. Um, who, who are these Nephilim, by the way, then? They're they're just apparently a, a tribe. They they were the mighty men. So um, it, it's a, just apparently a group. Of, I, I mean, I don't have like an idea of who they are. I just know I have a good reason to think of. I know who they aren't. Uh, there there's there's no reference to um, you know any lineage of theirs after that or anything like that. Um, but they are men of renown. They were they were you know a, probably a tribe of, of very mighty. Um, mighty warriors. Um, besides that, we don't really know much about them. And there you have it, my interview with Tyler Vela talking about the Nephilim or the Nephilim, depending on how you want to say it. Uh, I really appreciate Tyler's thoughts, his articulation. I really appreciate more than anything um, his faithfulness to the text. Like, th- There's a lot of conjecture and speculation in a lot of controversial areas uh, of you know biblical understanding and theology, and what I appreciate appreciate most about Tyler is his desire to stay faithful to the text. Saying like, what does the Bible actually say? Let's not you know transfer or impute things onto the text. Let's not read things into the text. Uh, let's not assume things about the text. Let's really look at the actual text, the context in which it is being written. Who is who is writing it? What is going on? And what is the language they're actually using? What what do they actually pre- precisely say and let's be faithful to present that which is actually being taught in the scripture and i appreciate tyler's desire and passion to be faithful to the text that's what i think every bible teacher ought to really uh, chase after and really seek to do we ought to pursue a desire to be faithful to the text 
Now, as I said in the intro to to this episode, there are people out there that I respect, uh, theologians and faithful servants that maybe would have a slightly different perspective on Genesis chapter 6 than myself and Tyler. People that would say, actually, we do think there's something supernatural going on there. So the guy I want to point you to is a man by the name of Preston Sprinkle. He is a seminary professor, best-selling author, uh, really a great theologian. Uh, He also has his own podcast that I listen to on a regular basis. It's called Theology in the Raw. And Preston Sprinkle is actually a previous guest of this podcast. I had him on back in episode 79. Uh, we were talking about homosexuality, and he was promoting a, a book he had just recently come out with uh, several months back, and you can go check out episode 79. Um, but Preston has a little bit of a different take than what Tyler and I would, and I think that would be really, really valuable. Now, uh, Preston also does point out that the Bible is not clear that the Nephilim are necessarily the offspring of of the sons of God, uh, but Preston says that he's he's about eighty percent sure that the sons of God uh, does refer to a spiritual being of some sort. So, if you're interested in checking out uh, additional information, you can listen to that podcast episode by Preston Sprinkle. Uh, we will have the uh, link to that podcast episode from uh, from Preston's show in the show notes for this episode on our website. Uh, So again, if you want to hear Dr. Preston Sprinkle's ideas that are slightly different than Tyler Vela's ideas, you can go to our website, theologyfortherestofus.com, look at the show notes for this episode, episode 167, click on that and check out uh, Dr. Sprinkle's idea and thoughts on Genesis 6, the sons of God, and the Nephilim. You can click on that there, and that'll forward you over to the page uh, with Preston's podcast uh, episode on the topic of Nephilim. You can listen to that, and then you can go read it for yourself in Genesis 6, and then prayerfully ask the Lord, Lord, what is it that you're actually telling us here, and how how does this maybe apply to our understanding of both this passage as well as the book of Genesis as a whole? I want to always encourage you to do that. Don't just take my word for it. Don't take Tyler's word for it. Don't take Preston's word for it. Listen to the perspectives, and then prayerfully go do your own study and research. I think that is the ideal way to approach any sort of controversial topics uh, within the scripture or within the world and arenas of theology. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Hope this has been helpful. Hope this has also been challenging, uh, challenging you to go do your own research and thoroughly dig into the scriptures you know, on your own accord. Hey, before I let you go, uh, let me give you a quick uh, heads up on another podcast I'm doing. So if you're someone that listens to podcasts on a regular basis, my other podcast is called the Student Ministry Podcast, really designed for any person working in youth or young adult ministry or college ministry of any kind, any person investing in the lives of middle school, high school, college students. And I highly encourage you to check it out. Uh, again, you can find it on the web, studentministrypodcast.com. Hey, if you have a question or a topic that you'd like me to address here on Theology for the Rest of Us, shoot me an email. The address is heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. If you would like to connect with me personally, the best place to do that is actually on Twitter. I love the tweet. I love connecting with people there. And my Twitter account is sort of a resource. I tweet a lot of, of great quotes and links and blogs and things like that as a, as a source of encouragement for believers. So feel free to find me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Kenneth Ortiz. That's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us. Hey,